series called Liar, Liar, Life on Fire. And what we've been talking about is the idea that uh, we tell each other, we tell ourselves lies. Um, we hear lies from our culture. We hear lies from uh, um, outside forces. Even, even demonic forces will tell us lies. And the whole point of this is that if we believe those lies, if we uh, continue to build our life upon these lies, our life will catch on fire. There will be destruction. And so uh, we've been talking about the different lies that we hear from our culture, that we hear from ourselves, that we hear from other forces. This idea that you need to be er, you need to be better, you need to be thinner, you need to be smarter, you need to be richer. That's a lie that our culture uh, gives us, that you, you need to have more, that you, you can't possibly be satisfied with what you have. And we talked about uh, y- y- the lie that you need to be happy and that your, this, your happiness depends on uh, circumstances. And so we talked about that. We talked about the lie that you need to be in control, okay? And we talked about the fact that you, you've never been and you are not now and you never will be in control. You have a feeling sometimes of being in control, but that is just fleeting. You're not in control. We talked about um, the lie of I need to escape, that your circumstances are so bad that you need to run away. That your marriage is so bad you just got to get out, that your, your work is so bad or your life is so bad you need to start to medicate. And these are all lies uh, that we're told. And so this morning I want to look at another lie. Um, we are in a time, uh, particularly politically, and uh, you know me, I've been here 11 years. Uh, I don't usually talk about politics because I don't care one way or the other. Um, but you have to admit, these are uncertain times. <laughs> I mean, at the very least, these are uncertain times. We have, uh, and again, this is not, don't send me any letters about who you voted for, who you, it's just the reality that our president has a Twitter account, uh, and when he starts firing those things off, people start getting restless. It's just the, it's just the reality of, of where we're at. We're in uncertain times. And when things are uncertain, we begin to panic. We begin to worry. And so we begin to think about, well, what happens if this happens? What happens if this happens? What happens if this country? What happens if this? And, and we start to get anxious, and we start to worry about all these different things. Well, here's the good news. The Bible was written in times of uncertainty. Unbelievable uncertainty. And the Bible was written uh, not only at, a, at different times. The Bible is just 66 wor- works that are compiled together to be our Bible. There's uh, different authors that were inspired by God. It's his word to us. And so, and so there's just different times. It was written over the course of uh, thousands of years. And so you, we, you have all these different perspectives and all these different things about different uncertainties. And oftentimes it'll be written about another time that has great uncertainty. So even though we're in a time of uncertainty, we can still look to the Bible. It's as relevant today as it's ever been. And so uh, the other thing that's really exciting or really neat is that Jesus, 
chose to come down in the form of a man, okay? So Jesus existed in the Trinity, uh, and that's just like a spiritual word for three. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You've probably heard those three uh, put together before. It's one God in three persons. It makes my head explode every time I think about it, but, but God, Jesus existed before, in the Trinity, before he came down, and then he took the form of a man. Now, here's the thing that just blows me away. He chose, he chose to come back in a time of great, great uncertainty. As a matter of fact, he chose to be a citizen of an occupied country that was occupied by Rome, brutally occupied, okay? You didn't go one, one way or the other. As a matter of fact, one of the things, we, we give the Pharisees and the Sadducees a real hard time because they're always against Jesus, but you have to understand the historical context of that. There was another person that rose up prior to Jesus who claimed to be the Messiah. And, and, and the uh, elite kind of joined with this person. And so the Romans, to show, to squash this rebellion, uh, crucified hundreds of Pharisees and put them on the road into Jerusalem. So if you were coming into Jerusalem, you were going past hundreds of crucified Pharisees. So now Jesus comes along with all this kind of Messiah language, and you can understand why they would be uh, against him. And so, so not only does Jesus come into an occupied country as a citizen of an occupied country, but he comes knowing that he's going, there's going to be people against him. M- lots of uncertainty. There was m- lots of poverty going on at the time. And so this is the time when Jesus chose to come down. If it were me, probably would have picked a different country. Probably would have picked a different time. I probably would have picked a different family. Um, And so, you know, to make it a little more comfortable for myself. But this is what Jesus chose to do. It was a specific time, a specific place. There was so much uncertainty at this time. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was born, the... uh, Herod, who is the governor of that area, found out that maybe that there was a prophecy that maybe the Messiah was born. So he went in and slaughtered all the males uh, two years and below. that's, That's what Jesus chose to be born into, a lot of uncertainty. And so what we're going to see this morning is just a ridiculous statement by Jesus at the time he said it. It would have made no sense to the hearers. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapters 5 and 6 is one of the greatest sermons ever preached. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It starts off with the Beatitudes, um, which are just blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, um, blessed are those who, uh, you know, the meek. And And so uh, it starts out with that, which basically takes all the, the thought of that time and just flips it upside down and says, the way you see life, there's a totally different way, a totally different perspective. And so he goes through, and all through chapter 5, he's teaching about all these things, kind of systematically turning things on their head. And we looked last week about some of those things that he did. But then he comes out in Matthew chapter 6 with this incredible statement, especially during the time of uncertainty. And for you, let's just take the politics out of it. Maybe it's a time of uncertainty because you're going to be graduating from high school and you're going to be heading into college. And so there's, this is a time of uncertainty. Maybe you're thinking about starting a relationship 
And you don't know if you really should or how it's all going to work out. Or maybe you're about ready to purchase a house. Or maybe you're about ready to sell a house. Or maybe you're about ready. And there's just this time of uncertainty. For, this, for you and for the people that Jesus was speaking to, he has these words to say. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Okay, thanks, Jesus. Have a nice day. <laughs> now that you've said that, I'll just stop worrying. <laughs> Right? I mean, how do you do that? Like, how do you just stop worrying? If Jesus came to you right now in a dream and said, you know, John, well, he's not a ghost, so it would be like, <laughs> John, you know, stop worrying. Here's what I'd say. Well, do you know my story? Because if I told you my story, I think you'd think it was okay for me to worry. Like, if, if, have you seen my bank account like, here, Jesus, here's my bank account, okay, and here's my visa statement. If you could swap those, then I wouldn't worry, right, or whatever, whatever your, your thing is. Like, like if you, have you seen my finances? Have you, have you seen my health? Did you hear, were you there when the doctor gave me that news? Have you seen my children? Have you seen my marriage? Have you seen my neighborhood? What, what have you? It, it, we have this idea that if we could just share our story. Then someone would go, okay, you know what? I'm not going to worry, but you absolutely have every right to worry. <laughs> now, Jesus is in an uh, incredibly uncertain time talking to people who are uncertain. And he has the same words for us as he did them. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. And he goes on, and he talks a little bit about um, uh, some of the categories that we might be thinking about. Now, think about your categories first. You know, what are you worried about if you're worried? Maybe it is finances. Maybe it is your health. Maybe it is whether or not you should make a purchase or something or enter into a relationship or exit a relationship. You know, maybe it's one of those things. Here's what Jesus says. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? No, Jesus. <laughs> That's about life. Eating is pretty important, and thank goodness we're all clothed today. Uh, it, it's like those are like the bare necessities, food and clothing. Like we would say those are the bare necessities. But let's take Jesus at his word for a second. Think about that. Here's the question I have for you this morning. What is life all about? What is life all about? Now, I'm not talking so much as an existential, the meaning of life or why am I here or whatever, but think about it. Think about your life. What is it? What is it about? What is it for? Your own life. Is it just getting food and getting clothing or is there something more important? And those things that are going through your mind as you begin to think about, what is my life all about? Those are the things God wants to take control over to help you process through it. So, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? What is life all about? Because if we begin to think that way, we can begin to look at life a little bit different. What happens if I did lose my job? 
I'm really, really worried about it. What happens if I do lose my job? Well, keep the process going. What would your relationship like be with the Lord? What, would, what, what is, your, is your job your life? Or is your life more than that? Let me put it this way. Is your life more than the things you're worrying about now? I would venture to say that it is. So here's the lie uh, that we're going to talk about this morning. It's just merely this. I can't stop. I, 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 I'm the worry, the striving, the working, the trying to accumulate, the trying to manipulate, the trying to control, all that kind of stuff. If I stop, if I take a break, if I don't work it all out, if I don't essentially worry myself into working, no one's going to take care of me. I just can't stop. I can't rest. I got to go, 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 go. I need to fill my life with busyness. Your heavenly father would look at you lovingly and say, you absolutely can stop. You absolutely can take a break. As a matter of fact, he built this into creation, okay? I mean, I mean he, he said, look, on this one day, rest. Stop. Focus on me. You don't need to worry about those things. It, it was so embedded in the culture, taking the Sabbath, the Sabbath, that they had this rule that if you had a piece of land, okay, and, and, and you were, um, you, were uh, you know, picking the grapes or whatever you're doing, you're harvesting that land, God had this rule that you couldn't go all the way to the edge. You had to, you had to stop before the edge and, just, and, and, and you had one shot to harvest it. If there was stuff that was left behind after that one shot, you had to leave it there. Why? It was for the alien. It was for the widow. It was for the orphan. It was for the poor. That they could then go to the outside of your land and pick for themselves. God had this ingrained in the culture that he was going to take care of you. And so it was an act of faith, as you can imagine. Let's say it was a bad year for your crops. And so you're trying to take care of your family. You're trying to, you know, get everything. And it's harvest time and you only got one shot. There would be a temptation to harvest and then go, well, look, he certainly didn't mean I couldn't go back when it was a bad year, which it is now. So I'm going to go back. You see, you had to stop. You had to rest. You had to trust your heavenly father. You absolutely can stop. Your life does not have to be this haggard. Now, when I say things like that, I am fully aware, because I know many of your stories, um, that life is frantic for a lot of you, that you are in a, sea, a very, very busy season. But I would only push back a little bit this, in this way. Where would God have you rest a little more than you are? You think, well, I got three jobs. I could probably lower the hours of my third job. <laughs> you know, it's like, or I've got three kids. I could get rid of one of them. <laughs> and then I could, you know, like, like, like this is the question I want you to keep thinking about as we go forward. Because I'm going to show you something that Jesus does to show you that you can stop. You don't have to worry. You don't need to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So he says this. He was outside when he said this, and I've preached on this section of scripture before. Um, 
He says, look at the birds of the air. And so my, um, I always, when I read this, I always think, because he's Jesus, that he's outside and he just kind of like worked a little thing of birds to come, like a, like a little sermon illustration, right? This like flock of birds. Wow, that's awesome, Jesus, way to go. So he says, look at the birds of the air. And then all of a sudden there were some birds there. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So Jesus gives this example of these birds. By my house, um, I live by the Navy base uh, in um, Cyprus. And, uh, and so there's this giant field on that Navy base, and it's just filled with rodents. And so there's, there's hawks everywhere around my house, and I love hawks. And there's one, this one female, she's building this nest in this giant tree outside my house. And so I took this picture uh, off the internet and, uh, <laughs> and put it into my slides. Uh, and so it's, uh, it looks a lot like the hawk that's actually by my house. But this hawk is building this nest and, um, and will grab twigs and stuff and, 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 and do all that and, and it'll, she'll jam around and she'll be looking for gophers and all that. She's working it's not like she's just sitting there and all of a sudden the Lord like pops a nest in. But she's not worried. She's, she's working. She's doing what she needs to do. She's doing how, well, the way God designed her to be with her instincts and all these different ways that she's crafted by our Heavenly Father. And, and, and so she, she's got that, but she's not worried. The other thing around my house are these hummingbirds. So in the front of my house is, uh, I, I have this little fire pit. Not for the hummingbirds. Uh, I have this, yeah, and I just roast, just real slowly turn, no, I'm kidding. Okay, stop. I, I told myself this week, you know what, John, you need to stop just going down rabbit trails and saying whatever is on your mind. That's working out really well for me. Um, so this is another picture that I took off the internet. Um, uh, of a hummingbird. And so you see these hummingbirds and they, they are working. I mean, they are flapping their wings so incredibly fast. And one, one time I was out in, in, in the front uh, and uh, I get there before the sun comes up. And so the sun will begin to come up and that's when the hummingbirds come out. And one hummingbird came right towards my head and they got these, I thought it was just going to stick right in my forehead. <laughs> and he, he just takes a, like a bank and he just starts going straight up in the air, like straight up. And I'm looking, and then he gets to the top, and he comes screaming back down, and he takes off, right? And I'm thinking, this bird is having fun. <laughs> like, this bird is just awesome. Now the bird is working. Okay, it's going from flower to flower, doing whatever, sucking out the nectar, or whatever hummingbirds do, working, but not worrying. And what Jesus is trying to do for me and for you is to say, look around, open your eyes, look at creation the way God has designed it, the way God has, has, has it all working together. Now, we live in a broken world right now, okay? Because of our sin and because of um, uh, the, what we call the fall, basically man making their own decisions, because of that, our world is broken. But you don't have to look very far. I'm just in my front yard, and I'm watching the way God takes care of his creation. He goes on, and he asks this question. And this is the question that you have for th this morning uh, to think about as well. Are you not much more valuable than they? Do you really believe that God can take care of you? 
Do you really believe that he's got you? Or do you believe that you have to go and strive and work and work and work and work? That you just can't stop? Well, here's what Jesus is trying to get across and what I'm trying to help him get across is that you can trust him. You can trust him in your marriage. You can trust him with your school, where you're going to end up, or you can trust him in your relationships. You can trust him in your finances. You can trust him with food and with clothes and with your desires and your goals. You can trust him. You are more valuable than that hawk and that hummingbird who God takes care of. Then he asked this question. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? <laughs> like, like, does worrying really do anything? Has worrying ever really done anything? I think I, there's this joke that says, uh, you know, all the things I've worried about over my whole, whole life ha haven't come true. They haven't happened. So the worrying's really working well. <laughs> you know, that I've, I thought it was funny. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, you think about, I, I go back over my life. And I think about where I was in different seasons and what I would worry about. And it's like, man, the Lord took care of that. 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 It's incredible how faithful he's been in all sorts of different things. And I've been poor as poor can be. And I've had more than that. God's faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. He goes on. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. They just grow. Um, one translation, it'll say the lilies. And so I have a couple pictures of uh, some lilies. Um, I mean, look at that. It's just incredible. And this projector doesn't even do it justice. But just the detail that goes into the creation of a lily. And just how the whole process works of how they're pollinated and all this kind of stuff. Here's another one, too, that's just phenomenal to me. Just the creativity that God has. Here, here's the point. He says, when you see one of these, when you see a flower like this, if you would just stop for a second and take a look, you get a glimpse into the heart of your Heavenly Father for you. You can stop. You can slow down. He built it into creation on the seventh day. He rested. Right? He built it in. Jesus said it this way. Uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, <laughs> but the Sabbath for man. God knows you're not supposed to keep this pace going. I mean, even if you don't believe in God, Science knows you're not supposed to keep this pace going, right? It leads to all sorts of health issues. Anxiety does. Jesus knew that before we did. He says, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of these, was dressed like one of these. So here's my main point for this morning. When we focus on uncertainty, we lose sight of eternity. When we focus on uncertainty, when we focus on our work, our school, our jobs, our relationships, our finances, all these different things, we lose sight of the fact that God created us for a purpose to be in relationship with him. Through all those things, through our financial problems, through our relationship problems, that he's not upset about those things. He doesn't wake up in the morning and go, 
have you seen their bank account? I had no idea. Okay, Jesus, Jesus, come here. We got to figure out what we're going to do. We got to figure, look at it, you know. Ah, he knows. He absolutely knows. Watch what he says. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? He's got you. He has got you. But when we focus on the uncertainty, when we're, 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 maybe it's the news that's freaking you out, we think, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? What's gonna? We lose sight of the fact that we have this opportunity to begin a relationship with God now that goes all the way through eternity. Like, what could we possibly have to worry about if we know our retirement is taken care of? <laughs> One way or another, your retirement will be taken care of, Okay. Like, what, what do we have? When we focus on the uncertainty of, our, of the circumstances we're in, we lose sight of eternity. And we miss a lot of what God would have us in the midst of that. He's just not that upset with uncertainty. He actually came during a time of great uncertainty, greater than what we have right now. Absolutely greater. I mean, I think most of us drove here in a car, right? I mean, this is the reality Jesus just says, don't worry. Don't worry about it. I got you. He says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And basically what he's saying is, people who don't see, think that this life is just it, like that, that's what he means by pagans. They would just worship idol, they'd be these idol worshipers or people who just thought, man, this is the only thing I have is this life. They run after those things. Here's what happens to me uh, when I start getting anxious about things. Um, I'll think about something. Usually the stuff I get anxious about it has to do with the church because I just, I kind of like this place, <laughs> okay? And so I'll be thinking about something in the church. Oh, man, we, oh, we got to get this done. We got to get that done. Oh, I wish we did, had this or I wish we didn't have that or what have you. And I'll just be, I'll be obsessing about it. I'll be obsessing about it. I'm, and I'll, I'll literally start worrying depending on where we are and what we're doing. I, I'll, I'll end up worrying about it. Where is my focus at that time? It's not on my heavenly father. It's on this life, this, this time, this thing, whatever the, the thing is. And it's so uh, terrible that your pastor, a man of the cloth, okay, like super, super duper spiritual, could get his eyes off of the heavenly father that we're supposed to be serving with the church. There has not been one thing in this church, not one thing in the 11 years I've been here that I've worried about that he hasn't taken care of. Not one thing. And then next week, <laughs> I'll be like, oh man, did you see the, you know? Jesus is here to remind us, you can stop. You can say, listen, I, I know you got me. I'm not gonna try to manipulate this anymore. So he says, the pagans ran after all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then he gives us the real nugget. This is the thing that uh, he, he wants us to do. Because like I said, you can't just not worry. Like you can't just go, you know, Jesus says, don't worry. And you go, okay, got it. Thank you. I, I did it. You know, it doesn't work that way. He wants to divert your attention. Your attention and your focus is going to be somewhere. 
Okay, if, it's, if mine's not on the church, it's going to be someplace else. And he says, I want your attention on me. And he says it this way, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those things are going to work out fine. So you're worried about getting a promotion? It doesn't mean you're going to get the promotion. I'm sorry about that. What it means is when I focus on God, I might realize I don't need the promotion. You're worried about a relationship at work or at school or whatever, and you go, man, well, I wish this person would just change. If they, if they would just change even a little bit, I could, I could meet them halfway. And God says, why don't you seek first the kingdom of God and you worry about you? And all of a sudden, you begin to see your heart change. And maybe they never change. But this... This uh, word seek, so I went to seminary, so I, I know about these things. I'm very, very smart, and uh, I can do these Greek word studies. Uh, and so um, I decided to do one on seek. What does it really mean? Like, what is the Greek and the culture and all these different things? You have to be very smart, have commentaries and all that. And it means to seek after. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? And then first means just before second. <laughs> Isn't that rich? Seek first. Have you ever lost your car keys? And uh, so I'm, I'm, I just turned 50, and they told me that when I turn 50, my body's going to start to go to pot, and I'm going to start uh, losing things, right? It's like totally true. And uh, so I got this little thing um, for my keys. It's a, it's a tile, and what it does is it hooks up to your phone, and then you tell your phone to find your keys, which works awesome if you could find your phone, okay? <laughs> and so you can press this to find your phone, and, it, and then your phone will ring. But if you don't have your keys, you can't. So basically for me, all this technology is useless because I'm... I'm leaving stuff all over the place. But the, the thing is, like, when you lose it in the beginning, it's, you're not, it's not panic time. You know, you, you're kind of like, where's my wallet? I don't know. You know, that's probably on the counter. So you go to the counter. Oh, I don't know. You know, I probably left it in the, in the car. Well, it's in my bag. And you start seeking, and you start not finding, and you start freaking out. And then, you're, then you go into, like, hyper prayer mode. Lord, I have sinned against thee. But if you would just drop my wallet in my hands, I will never do whatever I did again, okay? Right? And then you start getting, then you're starting to lift up all the cushions of the house, and it looks like you're just destroying your home. You look like a, like a crazy person. Imagine if we took that franticness about seeking for keys and seeking for wallet, and we said, I want to see the kingdom of God in my life. I'm going to uncover every area of my life to find the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you would spend your time seeking, okay, you're in this situation. You can't change it. You would normally worry. Why don't you look for me in that situation? Why don't you seek first the kingdom of God? Who cares about the situation for now? Just seek first the kingdom of God. He goes on. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. I love that. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Isn't that the truth? Man. Jesus tells us, you don't need to worry. You don't need to, just look at the, look at the birds. Look at the flowers. 
Look around. You don't need to worry. He's got you. 